Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're Book Club for Games. But not today. Today, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And also our personal highlights from Not E3. been playing yeah so just to preface this section is to try and alleviate pressure from the end of year wrap-up episode where i just totally don't remember what i played earlier in the year and you actually went and looked at what i've been playing and there was loads of stuff that i'd already forgotten you know so (laughs) it's probably necessary but having said that we also had the hilarious comment from our friend of the pod michael q who said, oh, and now playing app. So for Mike, Elden Ring, Cod, for Ting, Elden Ring, Rap Show. We were Lost Levels Which, Club. Actually, <laughs> yeah. In your case, I think it's actually kind of accurate. I, I played quite a lot of stuff still. I actually played quite a lot of stuff. But this is what I do now. This is like kind of my job proxy. So anyway. Anyway, uh, what shall I, shall I just start? Yes, please start. All right. So first off my list, Vampire Survivors. Uh, th- this feels like it was really topical, like a couple of months ago. Like now, it's just in the bin of history. But this was the latest weird game to go super viral and make a million dollars. You know, like you know, it's like Snake RX, for example. This is the the next Snake RX, and it costs three dollars. It looks like total garbage. Like it looks like trash. Honestly, like I saw just screenshots of this game, and I was like, "Why is anyone playing this game?" And then I saw it in motion, and I was like, "Okay, it looks kind of interesting. Like I can I can see there is some spectacle there." And then I did eventually download it and play it, and. I just lost three hours without noticing it. Like I literally sat down, played a game of it and then played another game of it and then played another game of it and then realized it was dark outside. And I was like, oh, this is why people are playing this game. So. So what is that? I mean, in a nutshell, someone has gone and taken a load of they they just bought these graphics you know from I, I can't remember where they bought them from but they bought them from you know some asset pack from some asset store basically knock off castlevania graphics so they look like the 8-bit castlevania kind of enemies and characters and 
the premise of the game is you are just being swarmed by huge numbers of enemies. And the only thing you can do is move. So you are just walking around. And then the game will automatically shoot your weapon. And the weapons do different things. So like some of the weapons just fire in a random direction. Some of them will shoot at the nearest enemy. Some of them just spin around you, blah, blah, blah. And when enemies die, they drop little XP crystals and you can walk over them and pick them up. And every time you level up, you get to pick another weapon. So, you know, you can either pick a weapon you've already got, which will level it up, or you can pick a new weapon up to a maximum of, I think, like six slots. But it's just weirdly compelling. And, and there is a bit of depth to it because there are certain like synergies. So certain like passive items. Oh yeah, there are passive items as well. And they've got the same number of slots as the weapons. So like if you have a certain passive item, then you can ascend certain weapons, for example. So, you know, I, I can't remember the exact combinations because it's been a while, but there's like an axe that shoots in an arc. And if you have like the right passive item, I think which I think is the book for the axe, then when you've maxed out the axe and then kill a boss enemy and pick up the chest, then you can ascend the axe and it becomes like this death spiral of like scythes instead of axes, for example. So six weapon slots... Are they all active at the same time? Can you choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all just firing all the time. So that's why there is some spectacle because it just becomes like insane particle soup. You know, you've got like hundreds and hundreds of enemies and you're just shooting out hundreds of bullets and there's all of these little like XP crystals on the floor and you pick up like a magnet, like a tractor orb and suddenly they're all like, you know, vacuuming into your character and it's like making all these noises and then you open a chest and the chest plays this like huge fanfare and it keeps getting more and more extreme and more stuff shooting out the chest, you know, like... They, they did a good job, right? It actually sounds good. Like, yeah. Like, it, it looks like garbage, but when you see it in motion, it's, you know, you see, oh, there is something there. And then when you play it, it's, it's good fun for a bit, at least. Plus, there's like a meta progression system and stuff. I don't know. It, it went super viral. Like, everyone was playing it on YouTube and Twitch for a little bit. And then it's like just burned out now but i think they made a million dollars in between so good for them uh, and it spawned so many clones you know so many clones like damn it why didn't i clone it faster you can clone it better yeah i know well anyway so sure. anyway <laughs> yeah i know i just you know let's not go there let's not <laughs> let's not dwell on my failures to have made a million dollars yeah so there's still time <laughs> it's true it's true i mean why didn't i make a vampire survivors clone well shortly after playing vampire survivors a youtube channel i was watching because they're playing vampire survivors started playing another game called the perfect tower 2 and the perfect tower 2 is free so i thought oh, i'll just give it a go because I, I i basically was on a you know in hong kong you still can't meet up with like more than two people or something maybe it's, you know they've relaxed this now but at the time you couldn't meet up in public with more than two people so the gaming meetup i used to go to like this retro games meetup moved online and while i was chatting with these people on a like a you know a video conference i thought oh, i'll just try playing the perfect tower 2 in the background because it's free and i saw this guy playing it after vampire survivors and it looked quite interesting i just lost like an entire week of my life to this game like, 
I downloaded The Perfect Hour 2 at the same time as we started playing Elden Ring, pretty much. And the reason I didn't play Elden Ring basically for, like, the first couple of weeks of the podcast, like, I had to really, like, I had to really grind Elden Ring for a bit to have enough to talk about for that first app was because I played, like, 100 hours of The Perfect Hour 2 within 10 days. Like, I was playing it 10 hours a day. Like, this is how messed up it was. I think the day... I started playing it, which is, you know, I was on this video conf and I started playing it at like 9 or 10 p.m. Because I didn't even start playing it at like the start of the conference. I slept at 4 or 5 a.m. that day. You know, I was just still just up, like messing around with my perfect tower. So here's your warning. To a certain kind of person, the perfect tower too is basically crack. Like it kind of ruined my life for a bit. And like, again, to give you an example, my current playtime on Elden Ring right now, which I'm playing for the podcast, is 77 hours. So I've played a further like 20 something, 25, 26 hours since the last ep we recorded. My playtime in The Perfect Tower 2 is 165 hours. So I'm still playing it. It's just, what, what is wrong with me? Why are we not talking about why, you, why you're not having mindful zoom conversations what are you you're gonna judge me for for playing a game in the background yes i'm sorry i'm sorry sometimes people sometimes the conversation just isn't that compelling (laughs) oh wow wow this is what i have to work with no no this is a total idle game right this is a game where you don't have to this is the reason the playtime is so high is because you can just leave it running. And indeed, you have to leave it running. So, like, not all of those hours were me staring at the game, but a disturbing number were. It's, it's, a, uh, it's like, kind of terrible. It's like hacking your brain. It's like, it's like they've somehow weaponized all of the, you know, weird attention-grabbing things that happen, you know, that a certain kind of person gravitates to. And I guess I am that certain kind of person. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, had, had all these the thing, like again. You know, it's the sort of game where I would not have played it. I would not have started playing it had I known how dangerous it would be. But because I thought it looked kind of crap and it was free, and I thought I'd just try it for you know an hour or two, and then it just it just totally got me. We haven't even talked about what the game is yet. I mean, you can probably guess to a certain extent. Actually, you know, the other problem is it's another kind of game that I had been thinking of making. There's so many of these games where I like. I kind of had an idea for a game in the back of my head and then I discover someone's made it and then I decide to try it out and yeah wow I wish I'd made this game it's so clever I obviously it's... really enjoy it so it's an idle game but it's a tower defense idle game top down so it's basically a tower defense game but you only have one tower you are trying to make the perfect tower I think it's it's the sequel to a Flash game because this is obviously the perfect tower too. It's it's made in Unity. It's on Steam. It's free. The closest game I have played to it is Universal Paperclips. If you've played that, which is a game, which is another kind of idle game about you know AI explosion, pre-chat reference. The, basically, the nature of the game changes as time goes on because like when you start out it is more of an active tower defense game 
you are kind of choosing the loadout for your tower. Like you're choosing what weapon modules, what defense modules go on the tower. And as you kill enemies, you earn XP and then you use that XP to upgrade the weapons and defenses of your tower to try and survive a hundred waves. So, so that's how it starts out. But as time goes on, you are, you know, like the tower defense game earns you these white cubes and you can then the the white cubes are basically the base currency of the game and you can convert those white cubes into different colors of cubes to build other buildings and upgrade those other buildings and so on so like the first thing you do is you need to build the construction yard which requires brown cubes and then use the brown cubes to build like the weapons workshop kind of thing and then the weapons workshop requires blue cubes and so on and so basically there's all these different kinds of currencies and you're doing all this stuff but, you know, once you've got the weapons workshop, you can start to upgrade your weapons and you can have them go into battle pre-upgraded, you know, so you can like tier them up and then you can also like make them like level 100 before the battle even starts. And at that point, the game starts to become less about you actively like clicking on buttons to like level up your weapons in in battle and just like you're trying to optimize your economy so you can have higher tier weapons and so on. And like the game just keeps snowballing from there. So like there's an entire like Minecraft crafting kind of mini game with the factory where you're starting to like mine or well actually no and there's a there's a refinery. Oh yeah, geez. There's just the game just keeps going and it just keeps morphing into new kind of like things as the game goes on. So, you know, to begin with it was this active tower defense game, and then eventually it became an economy simulator, and I was trying to like mine ores and then use those ores to produce machines that would make cubes for me so instead of my primary income source being playing the tower defense game i was instead making machines that would just produce the cubes you know and again to give you an example of how ridiculous it has become in the early game i was like oh wow my income is like a hundred cubes per second and then my income is like a thousand cubes per second a million cubes per second a trillion cubes per second right my income now is 1 times 10 to the power 39 cubes per second. And it's not enough. I need more, you know. And then, like, I've kind of hit a bit of a wall. I mean, the thing is, like, the game's kind of got boring in a way because I just have to grind out the next phase. And I just can't be bothered to, to really grind it out. But, you know, to, to reach the next tier, you have to fulfill certain requirements. And, like, the section of the game I'm currently in is called era and to reach the era part of the game like the requirement for the last stage was to reach era one and era one is wave 100 billion so you, you know you put the game to end normally you have to survive 100 waves but you can play the game in endless mode and if you survive 100 billion waves that is classed as era one and each era has 100 billion waves in it so era two is wave 200 billion right and era has its own special set of mechanics with this special shield that you have and the enemies have and the game's really deep right to reach the next phase of the game which is the thing i have to grind out i have to reach era 100 billion so you've got to think each era has 100 billion waves in it and i have to reach era 100 billion and that is classed as infinity one can you pay for microtransactions you, you can pay for microtransactions. But the microtransactions you can pay for, they're there, they don't actually make the game easier for you. They're, they're saying, like, so if you want to support the dev, you can buy this special currency called, I think, called Ember. 
and you can use it to cosmetically change the look of your island with all your buildings on. Or you can use it to pay for global boosts. So if someone just chucks some money into Ember, they can make everyone who's playing the game have like double production capacity or something. It applies for everyone, even people who aren't paying. So sometimes you'll just inexplicably have loads of income and it's because someone paid for an Ember boost for everyone. I, I can't believe these people are giving away this game for free. There's so much to it. It's incredible. I mean, like, again, to give you an example of some of the stuff that happens later on that you have to do, there's an AI scripting system, you know, where you write, you write scripts to say, like, when this happens, do this. When this happens, do this. Like, if this condition is met, do this. And you can have all these scripts and then trigger them. You know, you can have this, you can have your like factory AI running and say like, when I press this button, do this. Or whenever my tower, you know, whenever the tower defense minigame is running, you know, look at the health of my tower. And if it's this, then trigger this module and so on. Like, you know, I've, and I've written loads of scripts for all these things. It, this game is literally cracked a certain class of person. And I unfortunately am that person. It's a shame it's not a video podcast because you are smite, you're grinning. There's no other way for <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I can't believe it. This game's just so good. And I can't explain it to anyone because everyone I've showed this game, I've, I've, I've said to so many people, I feel like my brain has been hacked. I can't explain how good this game is. And everyone I show it to is just like, it looks shit. Like, why are you playing this game? I'm just like, just look at the playtime, man. I wouldn't play it if it was bad. But like, I haven't convinced anyone to play this game so far. You know, I do. Well, maybe that's for the best. In, in a previous version of these notes, I said, I'm trying to seek out the best idol game. You, you found this is it this maybe is we it. need to do this and like talk about it for an hour you know as a book club ep. yeah maybe maybe okay anyway let's show that <laughs> i've talked way too long about <laughs> let's move on my my next game is subnautica which i i think blessedly i won't say very much about this one because it's a game that you should play yourself and i don't want to spoil it or anything but like a lot of people kept telling me that I should play Subnautica. And especially they started saying it when I said I really liked Outer Wilds. And having now played and finished Subnautica, I agree. Because Subnautica is basically Outer Wilds if you were to unroll the time loop. There's no, you know, there's no time loop, but it really hits a lot of those same notes that Outer Wilds hits. There's like exploration and there's discovery and there's like piecing together the mystery yourself. And it's funny because it, it doesn't seem like that sort of game at all. Like if you just look at Subnautica, it looks like one of those sandbox survival games. And, you know, there is a certain amount of that too, but that is just the vehicle by which there is this incredible detective story. I say detective, you know, but like you are figuring out a mystery. You are solving a mystery and you feel you know it's so rewarding and compelling as compelling as outer wilds it, it's up there I, I actually still think outer wilds is better but i think that's just because outer wilds story just resonated with me more but i can imagine there are people for whom subnautica will you know be more meaningful to them it's a really great game is definitely worth playing. And I, and I haven't spoiled it for you, so you could play it one day too. <laughs> I probably have it. Yeah, it's, it's been out a long time. I'm sure you have it on multiple platforms. Yeah, maybe. 
It, I mean, it's another game that's out on everything. But yeah, definitely worth your time, Subnautica. I have heard it compared to, like you say, a survival game. I've heard it compared to like survival horror, maybe shade little bits. A little bit. A little bit. Okay, fine. But, you know, I mean, another parallel with Outer Wilds, I guess, is you just learn to get over it. Because if you die, you actually just respawn. It's, it, I mean, it's very unrealistic. They give no reason for it. But for the fact that it's a game, you know, like they could make it that if you died, it's game over and you have to reload your save. But they don't. They're just like, eh, you died. You're back. So dying is actually not a big deal. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, I think you can play in like hardcore mode where it is a big deal. But the default, you just respawn. Don't worry about it. Solve the mystery. Okay, one more from me before we hand over to you. Okay. Hopefully there'll be another quick one. Fortnite. I've been playing way too much Fortnite. I, I had one friend in the UK who plays Fortnite. And I had been playing it off and on with him. But suddenly, all of my Hong Kong friends started playing Fortnite. Like, all of the FPS friends who previously had been playing, like, PUBG and Warzone and whatever, they all decided they wanted to play Fortnite because Fortnite, at the start of the, you know, at the start of the previous season, they removed building. So, for the first few weeks of the season, you literally couldn't build in Fortnite. and. It was, oh, you know what, I feel like I'm going to talk about this longer now. Go for it. It was like, it was so funny because I feel like people who are really good at Fortnite, well, I mean, no, people who are really good at Fortnite are really good at everything, but people who are kind of like mid-tier at Fortnite, a lot of their combat proficiency comes from knowing how to build, you know, and like you're shooting at them and they just build a wall between you and then they build some funny structure and like get a good angle on you and just like headshot you, right? Like suddenly all of those people just didn't know what to do. And so you would take a shot at someone and they would just freeze because they're instinctively trying to build something and they can't. And they just stand there while you pump them full of lead and you win. And it was so funny because like for these first, like for the first week, let's say, before people adapted, you know, we were just completely stomping on everyone because like i play fortnite like i played warzone which is to say i'd never build i just know how to use existing cover and i had you know i had developed actually relatively good aim after playing so many hundreds of hours of warzone so we were just we were just like winning like so many games it was really funny and then of course unfortunately people adapted and new people came in and i think a lot of people transitioned from apex to fortnite and loads of people who hadn't played Fortnite for ages just came back into the game. I mean, it was quite a genius move from them because like lots of people I'd spoken to had said, oh, I would love to play Fortnite, but I just don't like to build. And suddenly no one could build. And then as a result of this, they permanently added a no building mode now. So you can play that if you don't like to build. But actually the no building mode is just, it feels like, you know, the people who are playing no building mode now all know how to shoot. So... Weirdly, it's actually much easier now to play the regular build mode because those people just have terrible aim. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to shoot. That's why they're yeah, playing that exactly. mode. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're trying to build a little house to hide in. I, I've realized now just fireflies. I just make sure I always pick up some fireflies now and I just like burn their house down. That's how I win at Fortnite now. 
But yeah, so I've been playing way more Fortnite because loads of my friends transitioned to Fortnite. Sorry, I'm done. Let's move on to you. Well, what have I been playing? I've, I've been playing Warzone, but not as much as you. Well, I mean, I've not been playing as much Warzone recently. I've been trying to turn the dial down on Warzone, you know. Did you get the Battle Pass? I did not buy this season's Battle Pass. This is my attempt to wean myself off Warzone a bit, because... So my, my next question was, have you finished every Battle Pass up to now? And the answer is yes, because don't waste. You know, if I've bought the Battle Pass, I'm going to finish the Battle Pass, which is a huge time commitment. So I didn't buy the season's Battle Pass. It, it Basically because it got to the point where I was just grinding out like games of plunder or multiplayer or whatever just to finish the Battle Pass. And it felt like a chore, you know, which is not good. So to just be able to relaxingly play Warzone just when I want to play it, I didn't buy the Battle Pass. What made me chuckle was that you bought the Battle Pass for something else. Yeah, I bought the Fortnite Battle Pass. <laughs> I don't see how... <laughs> I, don't I don't see, see how, how you're winning. It better. It's not making it better. It's a terrible idea. Now, the Fortnite Battle Pass, though, is actually very easy to finish because... Unlike Warzone, where it's very inscrutable, what exactly is going into the Battle Pass, in Fortnite it's just based on your level, which is very transparently based on XP. And you can get loads of XP by just completing like the season quests. So if you want to grind out the Battle Pass, you can do it really quickly. Also, if you don't play Fortnite for a while, you get supercharged XP. So again, you can just like take a break for a few weeks and then come back and still easily finish the battle pass okay. i mean i think if you want to max out everything because there's like bonus skins and things then you probably would need to grind it out but i don't care i only i only care about earning enough back to feel like i didn't waste the money you know so as long as i earn a thousand whatever bucks then that's that's enough okay i am obviously i'm deflecting because i've really not played much warzone really I, I say i played warzone but i've not played that much warzone i'm still very you, bad at it you you buy the battle pass though mm, no or I get you are the given battle the battle pass. pass yeah and then even this time i've not really played that much even though i've got the battle pass but it's the multiplayer game i play i really doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean i play a lot of it it's actually get really hard to get good and multiplayer games without playing them consistently. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about. It. I mean, Warzone in particular as well, because the meta is always shifting. I mean, this is this is the reason why like Fortnite is way more chill than Warzone. Because number one, you're just beating up twelve year olds, and that's always easy, you know. And number two, you just pick up the gun and you use it. You don't have to be like, oh, I need to grind out the XP so I can get the right attachments on this gun, and oh, they nerfed it. I need to use this gun now. You know, like you don't have to keep up with any of that. It's just like find a gun and use it, and you have that. You know, you get, and you have infinite amounts of time to to get good. Me, yeah. Mm, I mean, <laughs> you, you yeah. Know, the thing is also like I've kind of plateaued. I think I'm I'm definitely better than I was, but you know, I'm not I'm not going to win a championship. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you'll be in a strange world where you know normal. Normal people like us don't have the time like a 12-year-old does, but you have more time than a 12-year-old. Yeah, I do think I am 
much better than the average player now, just by virtue of having played so much. But I don't have the reactions anymore, you know. Like I don't have, I don't have the twitchy reactions, and I'm half asleep most of the time because I end up playing at like two in the morning. But yeah, my shooting is quite good. It's become a running joke as well in Fortnite because you know in Fortnite there are bots, and I'm just saying like, oh, I think that's a bot because <laughs> you know it's like, oh no, maybe it was a real person, but they were just really bad. It was me. Sorry. Anyway, we were meant to be talking about you and your yes. warzoning. Warzone is hard. Warzone is actually really hard, though, as well. So what do everyone say? I wish I played more Warzone consistently, but bloody hell, chasing that meta is hard work. I've not committed yet to buying blueprints of guns I don't have or wish I'd oh, unlocked. Don't do that. When you don't have time, when your time is more valuable than your money, it kind of thing. Well, can I say that? Does it sound bad when I say like you that? You can say that. You're a responsible adult. You've got money. This is what okay, people fine. do. It's a shame. It's a shame that, uh, it's a shame being bad at games. It feels bad. It's a shame. What can I say? It happens. It's called, it's called being a grown up. Yeah. I mean, you've got a job and two kids. The other game I'm, I've play, been playing is GTA 4. I really enjoy <laughs> it. I don't... Why are you playing GTA 4? Because I really enjoy it. I really like the whole virtual tourism shit. You know, New York is much better <laughs> in like in film, in games than it is in real life. <laughs> I think. Are you playing GTA 4 because it's a backlog game? Like it got 95. Oh, yeah. I'm also playing it because it's a backlog game. But I get, okay. you know, I have, a, I have a bunch of backlog games. It's easy as well. There's no like, there's no stats to worry about. There's no like story. I just, I'm told where to drive my car. I'm told, to, no. And red dots on the radar tell me what to kill. Interesting. There's definitely a story. You can't say there's no story. That's a Yeah, there is. Okay. But it's not uh, deep lore, which I have to unravel or piece together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I I do wish for a simpler time. And, you know, and then, you know, moving on from this was, oh, I was, I would, this, that's what I've been playing because I find that context switching for games is so painful at the moment. So I've considered picking up games like something you challenged me on previously was like, how do you restart a game you've put down? Like, how can you stop and just come back to it in two months' time? Well, I, turns out I can't. Like, for instance, Arkham City, I was going to re, I wasn't going to restart it. I was going to pick it up and resume it. Cannot figure out what I've been doing, what, what I was intending to do at the time and how to continue it. So I think I was trying to collect all the Riddler trophies. Have you played Arkham City? Yeah, yeah, I have. I was trying to collect the Riddler trophies or even... But, the- you finished the game then if you're trying to go for the Riddler trophies. I thought or I you're just trying to do, do it as you go. As I go, yeah. Oh, okay. Was that a mistake? No, I mean, it's up to you, right? Well, that's what I've decided how to do. Play. And then, but it's hard to keep track of what trophies you've picked up. There is no like checklist or tool to help you. Okay, I try, I'm trying to remember what I did, but it was it was a long time ago. And there, I think there are other collectibles I decided to sort of get all of, which I think were the, like the penguin, little penguins. Am I making that up? I don't know. It's been a long time. Anyway, it's another collectible which you know, as a gamer, you stubbornly commit to doing something and you have to follow through. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Do, do you have that sort of? psychological flaw to your character i mean i i don't think i 
deliberately try in 100% games, but then sometimes I do, you <laughs> yeah. know, sometimes I get sucked into it. I think I did collect all the Riddler trophies, for example, in Arkham oh City, so. And then, you know, another one I considered picking up again was RDR2, Red Dead Redemption 2, but the problem with that is you really need to know where you are with the story and what was going on and what the, you know, what your current motivations at that moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a game that is probably really good, but you have to really invest in it. And the other game I wanted to play was... Well, I actually have started Mass Effect 2, but... You're just starting from the second game? Well, the first one was, sh- was not good. And it was... And it's, <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. Yeah. And I have two and three were given away as freebies, so I have them. Oh, okay. But there's nothing worse than sort of picking up an rpg and trying to figure out what build you're trying to put together and knowing what quests you're doing yeah i mean i think that's the problem a lot of these 95 or metacritic games are like big epic things with depth and complexity you know and then yeah if you put it down and then try and pick it up again it's like what was i doing how do i play this game i say this i have written notes of what i was doing in these games previously but that has not helped me. Yeah, I I think, I mean, this is just all part of getting older, isn't it? And, you know, things just don't stick the same way that they used to, which is to say it's not significant, so your brain doesn't bother really remembering it. Like, you know, like yeah. the first time you've played a game like this, maybe like, oh, it was so amazing, I really remember, you know. And the next time you play them, maybe the game's really good, but it just doesn't mean as much to you. And so it's just kind of blur, you know. What's the point? Wow, but we got to recreate the hype. That's the thing, right? Recreating the hype. What am I looking for in a game now? Really, I'm just, I'm just trying to, yeah, get that feeling back from the first time I played Outer Worlds or Breath of the Wild or you know Final Fantasy Tactics. I don't know. Mario sixty four. Yeah. Or Queen of Time. Yeah. And so that's it. Yeah. So that's an insight to where I'm at with game games, I guess. Well, oh, and you've been playing Elden Ring. Obviously, Elden Ring, yeah. Well, unexpected though, GTA 4. <laughs> we all have our comfort games. You like to, you like the perfect tower. Yeah, 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 that's true, I know. I'm not in any position to judge. Okay, does this mean we're handing control back to me? Please. Okay, well... I'll try not to dwell on it too much. I mean, these are games I played earlier in the year, generically. And so th- these are mostly games I'd forgotten I'd played until you pointed out that I played them. First off, Nova Drift. Nova Drift is a game that I played a little bit of and then kind of stopped because I-, I felt a bit too sad. Also, it wasn't that great, which is an interesting thing to now think, given what I'm about to say next. But... You know, I've been thinking about trying to make a twin stick shooter with power up synergy system. And then I realized that Nova Drift had basically done exactly what I'd been thinking of doing. Like even this whole thing, I had been thinking about how to partition it, like with, you know, the form and the function of weapons and like Nova Drift had exactly like done their power-ups in that way i mean i guess it's not exactly the same but you can see it's the same kind of underlying system anyway it's kind of fun 
but it's not as like compellingly fun as say vampire survivors which i guess just goes to show sometimes simpler is better sometimes worse is better i don't know uh it's a it's a cool twin stick shooter power fantasy synergy game but yeah there's it's somehow not quite as fun as i guess some of the more recent ones and then moving on iris and the giant this is basically you know how i was going on about how great slay the spire is slay the spire and monster train so like you know i was really into deck builders for a bit and a friend for secret santa was basically just looking for other deck builders to gift me and one of them was iris and the giant which is a very minimalist deck builder but it's uh it's very clever it's very elegant actually it's like totally different from something like slay the spire but there's a surprising amount of depth from very very simple rules so if you like deck builders and you want to try something very different uh it's worth a go next is the wait 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 i have no idea what iris and the giant is still okay okay yeah Yeah, you're right i did really gloss over that i mean look okay a deck building game please oh a one-liner one i just said it's like a really minimalist deck builder i mean (laughs) okay what am i really i know it's not helpful at all i'm trying to think how to distill it i mean the reason i didn't say more is because it's actually really hard to explain (laughs) okay let's try let's try and explain it I mean, like, Slay the Spire and Monster Train are kind of fundamentally the same idea. You pick a deck of cards, you get dealt a hand, you can choose what to play by, you know, playing a card consumes energy, and then at the end of your turn, your hand gets swept into your discard pile, and then your next turn, it will draw some new cards from your deck, and when your deck is finished, it reshuffles your discard pile and it deals your cards again, whatever. So you're building a deck of cards and you have some control over what's going to get drawn iris and the giant works completely differently so the only real similarity is that you've got a deck of cards but when you play a card it is gone forever so you are choosing what to put into your deck and cards come from your deck and go into your hand and you've got to choose what to play but like your hand doesn't get like swept into a discard pile at the end of your turn. Like you, you're allowed to play one card and then the enemy gets to have a move. And you're allowed to play one card and the enemy gets to have a move. And yeah, when you play a card, that card is gone. You can only play a card once. And if you ever run out of cards, you lose. Also, you're generally not just fighting one enemy. There's like a, a grid of enemies who are moving towards you. And when, when the enemy gets in your face, they can attack you. Or some of the enemies are ranged and they can just shoot you from behind. And you are playing cards to kill these enemies. And the the cards are basically like shapes of attack. So like a sword will like let you stab a single enemy or an axe like sweeps across a row of enemies or a fireball shoots down a column of enemies, you know. So the strategy is about like managing the enemies to manage your health, like killing the right enemies before they can damage you. And also choosing cards to go into your deck because as you kill enemies you know you get opportunities to put cards into your deck and you have to keep enough cards in your deck to kill all the enemies because if you ever run out of cards you die okay and you don't plus there's health and plus there's there's like shields and well there is replenishment because like if you kill enough enemies you get a 
you get the option to put some cards in your deck or to choose a passive power up or you know you can find chests that contain cards but you've got to be careful because like if you shoot a chest with a fireball you'll blow up the chest so you'll you'll lose those cards but maybe that's still the right choice because otherwise you'll take a big hit to the face you know so you just gotta kill the enemy instead so that's where the strategy comes from so like the rules of it are very simple but actually there's a lot of depth to it you know sounds good in a totally different way to like slay the spire yeah, so it, it's good. You know, worth a try if you like deck builders and you want to try something different from a Slay the Spire. What's next? Next is Super People CBT, which basically every now and then, again, these FPS friends I have decide they want to play a new BR game or a new, you know, they, they want to play something new. And is this a BR game then? And so, yes, this is a BR game. I mean, in a nutshell, it's PUBG with superpowers. It's PUBG with like character classes that have superpowers. Flying. Uh, I don't know about flying, but you can like... No, no, no. It, <laughs> what is this? It, <laughs> what? What is this? Superpowers, but no flying. <sighs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah, okay. So like... You're not like a... Well, you kind of are a superhero, but like the superpowers are stuff like, you know, to give... Okay, let's give an example. There's... Okay, this is like the lamest one. One of them is called the driver, (laughs) and his superpower is that he can summon a car. (laughs) It's it's actually kind of rubbish. I say it's kind of rubbish. It's probably quite good. You know, like in in a PUBG-type game where... Actually, I mean, this is not true for Warzone, because in Warzone, there's cars lying around, and you can see where the cars are on the map, right? But, like, in PUBG, for example, a real problem is the map is huge, and the safe zone is really far away, and you won't be able to get there on foot, you know, and you're trying to run around and try and find a vehicle, but you don't know if there's a vehicle there. Like, So I guess that's the purpose of the driver class, right? They can just, like, like you know, push the magic button on their keys, and a car just, like, drops out the sky, and you can get into this armored car and drive off, you know? So you've always got a car, you know? Or there's a, I can't remember the names of the classes. There's one that basically is like a flame trooper and they have incendiary grenades or like they have buffed incendiary grenades and they can shoot like a big cloud of flame that like blasts through buildings. Or there's like a nuke trooper where you can call in like a tactical nuke and you literally like, it, it brings up the map like, you know, a COD kill streak and you click on it and it just drops a nuke on that spot. So if someone's like, you know, you've got people who are hiding in cover, well, just drop a nuke on them, you know, or an airstrike. <laughs> Like, it like the power-ups are silly, but yeah, yeah, but you know, so you're like leveling up your power, and eventually you unlock your alt, and then you can use the alt to do stuff. Or like you can you can drop down a shield, or you can drop down like like a smoke grenade and make everything dark, but you can still see through it and stuff like that. So you know, the characters have powers. Okay, and it plays. It, it looks a lot like PUBG. It looks really like PUBG, and it the the feel of the game is a lot like PUBG as well. So it's it's not like as smooth and fluid as like a Warzone or a Fortnite. It feels like very clunky, but that's I mean that's not bad either. So PUBG even today feels clunky. Oh yeah. Oh wow. But it's just it's like the style of the game, right? Like PUBG is like you know the weapons have really high recoil in PUBG. You know, you like you really got to know how to shoot in PUBG. You can't just like spray. Whereas, you know, a Fortnite and a Warzone, they're much more arcadey. But then this is a, a weird mix because like it's got that like really 
high recoil gunplay and like slower mantling and whatever. So it's like kind of clunkier. But at the same time, it's like, ah, just drop a nuke on them. <laughs> also, the thing I thought was really funny is like, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a Korean game or maybe it's a Chinese game. I think it's Korean. I'm pretty sure it's Korean, actually. What do you think CBT means? Um, I'm Western, so uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, wow. I, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. When I saw CBT, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. I'm not Please, even going to say it. You've got to say it for the people, for uh, the listeners. Cock and ball torture. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that. <laughs> I, I think they actually mean, I think it actually was meant to be closed beta test. But yeah, I'm sorry. When I saw CBD, that's what I thought. There's something oh, wrong with me. It's true. No, there isn't, Mike. I am. Um, you're better than me. That's all. I think you're just better than me. I thought I was not well, but well, you're you're definitely you're definitely ill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good. It's a good thing. Oh, Twenty five friends. I think, I think I'm going to bleep you that. Don't, you don't reveal this side of you often enough, if I'm honest. You, you, this, is, this is all the stuff that you would not reveal in the office. Yeah, but now we don't. It's all just I, leaking I never, out everywhere. <laughs> leaking out. I need it to be spraying out. Yeah. Excuse I know, me. It's terrible. Wait, so when you get the CBT oil, are you expecting something else? <laughs> That's CBD oil. Oh my gosh. What the. Oh, the good. Good. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh dear! Indeed. Now I wish there were a CBT oil. I mean, I I should have said like compulsory basic training or something. There's like there's lots of other CBTs, but for some reason that's the one that came to mind. Wait, why do I know of a CBT? Is CBT oil a thing? No, oh, it's making... CBD. Why? So it's Central oh. Business District oil. That's why all of the traders are taking it. So. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they've actually got the the thing wrong. Fine, it's a typo. What? So if I, so here is there here there is a search for what is CBT oil good for, and then the response is CBD oil has been studied. Okay, fine. Yeah, supposed fine. to help with anxiety. Is that right? Okay. I tried it. It didn't help. Oh. <laughs> It's one of those herbal remedies that's like, I don't know if it's herbal, but one of those remedies which is like 5% effective or reduces anxiety by merely 5%. That's like a rounding error. <laughs> yeah. So you need to be chugging it. I don't think that's a good idea. Anyway, whatever. It's, it's not that kind of podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Next up. Escape Simulator. This this is more wholesome. Escape room simulator? Is it? Yeah, it's literally an escape room simulator. It's actually pretty good. I mean, there's a whole bunch of built-in escape rooms, and they are a lot like real-life escape rooms. Co-op. Co-op, yeah. So, I mean, you can play through single-player, but you can also play in multiplayer. And that is how I played it. Because I didn't come back to the UK for Christmas because of all the weird covid travel restrictions with hong kong but i did play through escape room simulator with my family oh yeah how is your family with escape rooms i think they're pretty good 
We we escaped all the rooms. Are you obnoxious? What was that? Are you an obnoxious teammate? Am I obnoxious? No, I'm very supportive. <laughs> oh, good. It helps that my family are all very competent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I can imagine you having a very competent family. Yeah, well, unfortunately, all very competitive and very driven to solve the puzzle. Although having said that, I do I do remember we did do an IRL escape room one time and we were like, yeah, we did it. We did it with like 10 minutes left on the clock. And then we realized that the door that had opened was not actually the door out and it just led to another room and we were only halfway. <laughs> and then we were sad. That was that one was tough. Should we move on? Yeah, I mean, the rest of them, the rest of them are games, I think, that, you know, everyone knows, or yeah, yeah. there's not much to say. So, Terraria, Spelunky 2, and Noita. So, you know, Terraria, there have been loads of Terraria patches since I actually played Terraria through, which was back in, like, the 1.0 days of Terraria. So, I set up a server, and a bunch of friends and I just played through all of Terraria. So, you know, we, we unlocked the Moon Lord and we defeated the Moon Lord, which is like the end game. So it was fun. I had not played through Terraria since they added so much stuff to Terraria. There's so much stuff in it. It's really funny because I remember Terraria, them saying, you know, like, oh, this is the final patch. And then they've continued to patch it for like a decade after. So it's the game that just keeps giving. And then, yes, yeah, Blanky 2 and Noita, they're kind of evergreen. Spelunky 2 I was playing multiplayer is it's actually really funny in multiplayer like just like the chaos it's like a- <laughs> very ineffective like you know we, I don't think we I I think we only made it out of the mines once <laughs> but it, it's still really fun and then Noita is just Noita as a game is an absolute work of genius I think I've talked about it before it's again it's definitely worth playing but it's a very deep game i finally managed to win a run which i was quite pleased with so yeah i just i just really got into noiter again for a couple of weeks i was just grinding away at it until i finally managed to win which is only scratching the surface because there's like nine million other secrets in noiter and lots of special win conditions too but i just got the basic victory and that was enough for me good that's it. That completes our now playing. Yes. So that that's it for this first half of the year. We move on to not E3, Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. We have a lot to go through, so 
Let's try and be rapid. Yeah, let's try. Let's try. Hollow Knight Silk Song. I I just I just don't get it. Everyone's so hyped for this game. I just don't get it. But then I haven't actually played Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is just a backlog game for me. I own it three times, which goes to show how serious I am about wanting to play it, but I've still not actually played it. That was totally going to be my question to you. Why is it so popular? But even you don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. But I think for people who like Hollow Knight, they've just they really want Silk Song. Yeah, they do. But I don't get it because I haven't played Hollow Knight. Okay, true. Move on. Persona on Xbox. That's three, four, and five, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, the only thing I was really pointing out to you is like it's not just on Xbox; it's also on Game Pass and PC. Which, yeah, which to me means PC. I hope I hope it's coming to PC. I'm just assuming it's going to be on PC. So, in which case, you know, Persona Five Royal book club game later. It got ninety five. Yeah, but let's. It's going to be a four episode effort you're right yeah let's never do that (laughs) (laughs) i I would like to play it but yeah the thought of it scares me should we move on last of us part one remastered this is ridiculous this is this (laughs) this is the second remaster oh yeah it is yeah how many games have been remastered twice? Oh, I guess GTA 5. Well, yeah, yeah. okay, wait. So we've got GTA 5, we've got Skyrim, and now we've got this, which have basically, they basically made the same game on three console generations, right? There's PS3, PS4, and PS5. Yeah. And the attendant Xbox and PC versions, whatever, if applicable. I, I just can't believe it. I mean, in some of the side-by-side shots, you can tell it does look significantly better. But at the same time, it's eighty dollars. That is ridiculous. Is that is that how much PS Five games cost? No, I thought it was meant to be seventy dollars. Maybe I, I mean I've got a screenshot here of it at eighty. No, I'm saying I thought PS Five games were meant to be seventy dollars. I thought that was oh. the expectation. Well, there you go. Then that makes it even more ridiculous. It's priced at ten dollars over the average PS Five game. If so, if so, yeah. Is this to do with? So they're trying to sync it with the the HBO TV series, probably. I, I have no idea. It's just, to me, it's just mental. Because, like, it's already had a remaster. And I guess now it's getting a remake. It, but yeah. it, it, it's not even that old, right? It's just... it's just. It is. Oh, I, yeah, okay, I guess it is quite old. But still, still, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, also, it's coming out on PC. Is it going to be $80 on PC? Too. That's... I, it better not be. I mean, no PC game is eighty dollars. Actually, I mean some of them are, but you know that that that's a massive outlier. Yeah. For PC, I also think it's funny that do, do you remember for ages people were saying PC gaming was dead. You know, like analysts were predicting the death of PC gaming so many times. PC gaming is stronger than it's ever been. PS4 was where it's at. You didn't need PCs anymore. Oh, they were they were wrong. You don't need a PlayStation anymore. Like basically, all the good PlayStation games are on PC now, right? Yeah, looking better on PC as well. Anyway, anyway, whatevs. Let's move on. Starfield. Starfield. This is one that we could have a discussion on. You know, I kind of want to have a slightly longer chat on this one. We can. We can. We should. This will this be the Interstellar game? This will be the Interstellar game. Yeah, so we should preface. So this is when we were talking about No Man's Sky. You were interested in No Man's Sky because you thought it would be like Interstellar. 
with yeah. like the planet with the big waves and all the other interesting stuff. And I was like, nah, bruh, you don't know how procedural generation works. It's going to be, you know, and then I basically described how No Man's Sky actually turned out. And you, you, and you showed me a video, I'm sure, or someone else showed me a video of <laughs> the reality. This, this is the one with like the welcome to Jurassic Park. And then That's it's the all terrible. <laughs> yeah, I love that video. That's so good. That is so good. But... That's what's interesting about this, right? Because they basically used that exact shot in the in the gameplay trailer for, you know, Starfield. There's a there's a shot literally of a big dinosaur thing rearing up, just like in Jurassic <laughs> Park. And I'm just like, wow, you're really opening yourselves up here. But they, you know, they they know that too. They wouldn't show that unless they were very confident about what they've got. I mean, to me, I wonder if they saw No Man's Sky. Or even if they just they had the announcement of No Man's Sky and there's like there's no way they're gonna do that justice. Let's let's green light a triple A version. And this is it. Wow. Um, okay. Okay, I can believe that. That seems so impulsive. Also they've got the you know, they've they've now got the knowledge of what not to do. Because the thing is like No Man's Sky now is actually pretty good. You know, if yeah. if the No Man's Sky we've got today was at launch, that game would have been rated actually pretty highly you know yeah it's a shame it's a shame we'll never know and yeah starfield can learn from their mistakes what was interesting to me was there <laughs> we were told there would be a thousand planets or around a thousand i want to know how many of them would be goldilocks planets because they're the planets i care about by goldilocks planets you mean ones in the habitable zone yeah and the answer and is I was going to say that's not be many. <laughs> well, One. I think there could there could be as many as they like, right? Because we don't actually really know how common Goldilocks zone planets are. Is my understanding of the science? Because observing planets of that size is very difficult. You know, we can indirectly. How do we observe planets in the first place? We've observed right? so like, many. We can't actually see them. Well, no, yeah, but how do you think we detect them? Like, we don't actually just, like, look at it and see the planet. Like, oh, no, no. Planets are inferred from their gravitational impact on, you know, the star or by transiting the star and observing, you know, changes in brightness yeah. or in the spectra. So I don't think we can directly observe an Earth-sized planet in, you know, the Goldilocks zone. We can just only infer one is present in very special circumstances and in all the other cases we like it might be there it might not i think maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just like way off base and and things have changed and they can actually just tell from gravitational you know effects pretty accurately these days but i thought we're not sure how common they are and also it's irrelevant because it's a game they can put as many in as they like <laughs> what will be interesting is it's that we know the campaign will be 30 to 40 hours. Will I, can I just see like two planets and that's enough for me? You know, is the main campaign two planets? And then what am I going to do with the other like 900 odd planets? Do I even need to visit them? Are they just there for set dressing? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think they've got a nicer balance or they've tried to have a, a nicer balance between handcrafted and procedural generation right so they've got like procedural generated planets but they've also got handcrafted cities 
you know, and they said they've got more handcrafted content than they've ever done before as well to keep things interesting. I mean, I think the key thing is like what star systems is this set in like for believability? You know, you need you basically need to make sure you don't have Earth in there. Right. Because like how many cities, how many biomes are there on Earth? Like we've got a sense of how big Earth is. And like, you know, our expectations for what a city is like on Earth, right? As long as you don't put Earth in there and it's all sci-fi mumbo jumbo, then maybe you can maintain the illusion of consistency, you know? Like, you don't need to have, you know, a planet with hundreds of cities with millions of people on it. You know, you can just have a few interesting cities, but they can be like Skyrim-scale cities, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the trailer, it looks, it looks very much like No Man's Sky crossed with cyberpunk. Which is interesting that they've chosen to go with that look and to really emphasize those moments in the trailer because those are both games that released in a very poor state. And does that mean this game is going to be way too ambitious and also released in a very poor state? I don't know. I mean, not to say that Bethesda games aren't also full of bugs at release, but they generally are better than, you know, Cyberpunk and No Man's Sky. How is the sense of scale in No Man's Sky? Are these planets planet sized you know for instance like in outer wilds the planets are not really planets yeah i mean the planets are bigger than outer worlds but they're not like real planet sized okay it's yeah i mean everything is smaller than real life but they're you know the planets in no man's sky are big enough that they feel enormous like you know they feel too big to walk around yeah but but you could walk around it i think like it's not like it's nowhere near as big as like earth you know so you know what i think about starfield i'm quite hyped for it if it comes together it's not buggy and the sense of scale is there i'm that's all i care about really the sense of scale i uh, yeah i mean i'm too jaded now i'm expecting it to be disappointing but I'll, i you know i'll probably get swept up in the hype machine shortly before release and then be really into it but at the moment i'm just like eh, i think it's going to be a disappointment but i think that about most things these days so Shall we move on? Yeah. Resident Evil 4. So it's a reimagining of the of the classic Resident Evil 4 game. Is it really necessary? I really wanted to... I always really wanted to say, it's such a good game. Can a reimagining ever do it justice? Can it be as good? No, it can't. Yeah, I mean, this is a weird thing for you to say, I, I think. Because aren't you all about this sort of thing these days? And no, also, we, we played the Resident Evil 2 reimagining. Did you not enjoy that? I did, but, but I don't think Resident Evil 2 was a classic in the same way that Resident Evil 4 What? Resident Evil 2 horror. was like, for me, Resident Evil 2 was peak Resident Evil. I mean, I never actually played 4, though, so... <laughs> but slight tangent, slight tangent then. Ocarina of Time, could they reimagine that and it would be equally as good? Impossible. Hmm. Interesting question. Interesting question. Or Half-Life. Or Half-Life 2. Yeah, but uh, this is where, you know, the whole reimagining versus remaking versus remastering thing comes in, because it's true. Some games, you know, like the the level of gaminess versus realism is kind of, you know, like y- you might think they should be separate, but they're they're still inextricably tied to like the way the game looks right like you know there was a certain level of jank on the n64 and you just make allowances for it and thus the game behaves in a way that meshes nicely with that level of jank 
you know whereas if you if it had beautiful super hd graphics that would be inappropriate and so can you make that game and i guess that's kind of what you're saying resident evil 4 but I, I don't think that's true. Like, I think Resident Evil 4 is going for, like, a realistic look. It's, it's not... I mean, it, it's slightly stylized, right? But, you know, it's, it's less stylized than even Resident Evil 2 was. And Resident Evil 2 was reimagined very successfully, I would say. It was. So I, I, I don't think... I don't even think they even need to really change the gameplay that much. You could literally just give it super high fidelity ray trace graphics and it would work, I would have thought. But maybe I'm wrong because I haven't played it and I, maybe I just really don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, but, you know, gameplay mechanics evolve. Quality of life things evolve. The sense of scale evolves. But do they need to do that? I think so. Like you can't just lift, you can't stream Mars Ocarina of Time and just expect it to be treated like a masterpiece. But I think that's what I'm saying, right? Like, if you were to try and put Ocarina of Time and give it super AAA graphics, you'd have to significantly reimagine a lot of the gameplay mechanics too, just because they don't, they you know, they wouldn't seem appropriate with, like, realistic yeah, yeah. graphics versus very yeah. stylized ones. But Resident Evil 4, I think, already was, you know, it was a game that yeah, was yeah. trying to look as realistic as possible in the time. So you're not going to get that dissonance. It's the same. No, I try to play Baldur's Gate 2 in its original form because I that's what people loved yeah but you know know, I I might be wrong I might be wrong again the Baldur's Gate nice version you know still looks like the old one they didn't try and reimagine it either they just give you know they just gave some quality of life stuff I mean that one I guess is just like games have changed now and maybe people don't have the patience for that kind of game anymore yeah or just like culture has changed you know like the Baldur's Gate games are harkening back to certain gameplay tropes that no longer exist it's hard I guess reimagining a game really means you're building most of it you are building it from scratch it's a new game yeah but this is like the last of us thing again right because they said they're completely remaking it you know you could have exactly the same discussion about that maybe that's why they want to charge $80 for it you know who knows how much they're changing I I don't see this Resident Evil 4 reimagining being a problem personally but again we'll see i mean i haven't played the original so you'll have to tell me i want to be wrong on every game i want every game to be a 95 plus if i'm honest <laughs> really you just want your yeah. backlog to go to infinity because you basically never played them. <laughs> <laughs> thanks all right next kojima kojima is working with microsoft to basically make xbox's death stranding right he's making a game for them in the same way he did one for sony yeah what's the game predictions we had we had oily baby walking simulator what is you know what is the oily baby for the next decade what Ah, oh, what could he be thinking thing is i can only go with what he's done in the past as inspiration but he, this Kojima is a le- he's not going he's no he's he's setting his own path and I don't know where he's going to go because you know obvious things are like horror games that's too predictable maybe we'll make horror game maybe we'll make PT 
Yeah, you're right. Maybe we'll just make PT. People would lap that up. People would be people would be so ready for that. It's true. That's a good prediction, actually. Just make a just make a spooky, scary horror game. Why not? I think it's better than that. Yeah. It's gonna be disco related. Yeah. Disco it's time for disco to make a comeback. I, I don't know how this is gonna work at all. It's gonna just gonna be weirdly optimistic. Yeah, he's not shown any signs of interest <laughs> that's in disco. What, that's what makes it so perfect. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm very curious. I think it's going to be batshit. I would be disappointed if it wasn't. Yeah, I think all I want from Kojima is uh, a military shooter, though, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. What everyone really wants is, like, Metal Gear Solid Five Two. Is Is that right? Yeah. Or if you made a film. I think that's what he wants. Plasma snake? We we had solid snake, we've had liquid snake. We haven't had a plasma... Oh, have we had gaseous snake? Vapor snake? How many more snakes can we have? How many more states of matter? Bose-Einstein condensate snake. I don't know. I don't know. Bose-Einstein condensate snake. Sorry. This is falling very flat. I feel I feel embarrassed. Yeah, I was... I, no, I was going to go... Was it If we went with alliteration, I was going to go steamy snake. Steamy <laughs> snake. Even. That's not the steamy snake. <laughs> You're right. It's going to be a dating sim. <laughs> yeah, that's what Xbox is buying. <laughs> they were like, "Shit, we bought <laughs> we a steamy snake." Yeah, I bet he demanded three hundred million dollar budget as well. You know, he was like, "Well, Death Stranding gave me a hundred, but look at Star Citizen. You know, if you want me to make the best game I can make, I need at least three hundred million." And they're like, oh, "Okay, fine, we'll sign the check." Then before you know it, <laughs> steamy snake dating sim. You've got to charm the snake. <laughs> Let's move on before this goes into CBT. <laughs> Redfall. I, I don't know why I wanted to talk about this. I just, I remember... It's because it's by Arcane. I remember last E3, there was just the cinematic kind of concept trailer. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. It's like a vampire-themed Left 4 Dead with, with you know, hero powers. But now there's been some game, you know, there's, there was a gameplay trailer, this not E3, and it looks kind of meh. Like, I feel like it just feels really kind of soulless, weirdly. I don't know. I mean, number one, I think it's not actually a Left 4 Dead style game. It's kind of more of a Borderlands or Destiny kind of game. I mean, the thing is, like, it can be a different kind of game entirely. You know, they don't have to fit into neat genres or they don't need to be like another existing game. But... Yeah, less Left 4 Dead, more looter shooter, it seems. So did the enemies look quite bullet spongy then to you? I I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. I, there was just something about it that just really didn't gel for me. Just like it looked kind of wrong. I mean, weird, maybe yeah. this is the problem with Deathloop too. It, you know, it when I played Deathloop, Deathloop just didn't click for me at all. And that's kind of how I felt with this trailer too. Like there was just something off about the way it moved or something i can't really explain it you know it's like it's like a game i really should have enjoyed but for some reason it just didn't work for me and like this is a game i was expecting to be really good and yet after seeing this gameplay trailer i'm less excited for it now anyway who knows it's probably still quite a long way off so things can change a lot i I thought all these games were going to be released in next year isn't that one of the conditions of being in the showcase yeah, it's true. In the Microsoft showcase, they did say it will be released in the next 12 months. But that's still a long time, you know. Like, they've got the core systems all in there. 
they, if they tweak it a bit, maybe it will just look and feel completely different. I don't know. Or maybe it's just really fun to play. Who knows? Maybe I just didn't get it. Next up, Dragon Age Dreadwolf. I really like Dragon Age Origins. This isn't part of the like the main E3 coverage, but it doesn't matter. I really like Dragon Age Origins. And just in case, Baldur's Gate 3 is disappointing. I've got this to fall back on. Baldur's Gate 3 is already out functionally if you want to play it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I know who's got who's got time right. I don't play it twice. I don't know. I'm I'm done with Dragon Age. I played Dragon Age Origins. I didn't finish it. it you know, I've I've said this before. Like I felt like the BioWare games became too much of like here's four missions, do the mini order, and then do the final mission. I don't know. It, it just, What's wrong with that as a structure? It's just the too, structure it's just too mean, cookie anything. cutter. It was just boring. It, I just felt like I was going through a checklist, not like I was having a grand fantasy adventure. Fine. For whatever reason, Dragon Age... Again, I was... I really wanted to like Dragon Age Origins, and it just didn't do it for me. And as a result, I've just never really bothered with the rest of the series. So, I don't know. But you really liked it. So, again, you should tell me if it's worth playing later on. Yep. Next up. Modern Warfare 2. Uh, are you excited? Mm, not really, no. <laughs> are you going to buy it? If everyone else does, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've still never played the single player for a COD game. So this trailer was mostly story cinematics. I don't know, which meant nothing to me because I've never played any of the single players. I think there's going to be a Warzone 2 when this releases. Yep. There will be, yes. And it won't be, um, it'll be separate from Warzone 1, so nothing will carry over. Damn it. All my, all my grinding for nothing. Yeah. They need to clean up, though. They've just, you know, they've got this baggage they're carrying with them. The, the only, uh, the good thing about having a good Modern Warfare 2 is that I'm going to buy it regardless. I'd like it to be good. Okay, yeah, because basically you know that the people you play games with are going to buy it, right? So I guess you are going to end up buying it. Seems yeah like. i mean i've i've actually bought the previous three cod games purely because i was playing warzone and i was so invested in warzone that i ended up getting the multiplayer is for the weapon level like, this is so tragic i can't believe i'm saying this it's so bad i i don't know if i'm gonna try and break the cycle with this one or if, or if i'm just gonna go all in again I, i'm shaking my head as i say this i don't think you're the only one in this position though yeah you're saying what we're all thinking yeah also is, is this the second modern warfare 2 we've had or the third i don't know i feel like we've had so many you know it's the second mo modern warfare 2 the second modern warfare 2 okay fine oh uh, still yeah, ridiculous it it's still ridiculous like numbers what do they mean you know <laughs> like please <sighs> anyway it's irrelevant next sonic frontiers I just, I just couldn't help it. I just, I just wanted to say something about it. It just, what is this game? Like, was this, was this hyped? I don't know if people uh, knew this was coming, but like, it just, I, I just don't get it. Like, what is this game? It, the art style is kind of like Shadow of the Colossus. I mean, maybe slightly more, more colorful, colorful, more vibrant, but crossed with Sonic. And it, it, it just looks like, you, you know how like certain game engines have a certain look, right? 
You know, you can you can look at a game and like to be honest, like usually it's a sign that the game's not very good. And so like particularly when you see like, oh, this looks like a Unity game. Like it looks like an indie asset flip or something, right? This game looks like an Unreal Engine game. This game looks like you just look took Unreal Engine terrain and slapped some buildings on it and have Sonic running around. Like it looks like a student project or something. I mean, it's a bit better than that, but it's not far off. I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, oh, it's good that they're trying something new. They shouldn't always just make the same game over and over again. You know, they should innovate. Yes. But it looks like it needs a few more years in the oven. And it's coming out this year, apparently. Like, I just I just can't see this going well. Did they show gameplay? Yes. Okay, maybe maybe I should have asked you to watch this. Don't worry about it. It doesn't look good. Just find out, just find out whenever they release it and it gets 6 out of 10 or something. I don't know. I'm being disparaging. I just, it's just like, can you imagine, like, if Nintendo showed a Mario game in this state? You know, like, there's, this is the reason why Nintendo is super powerful and has, like, a $20 billion war chest or whatever it is, you know, like, this is why they're, they're still a major console manufacturer and make amazing games to this day, and Sega is just, like, in the toilet, you know, like, I'm sure at some point Mario Odyssey looked like this too. But they wouldn't have shown it. They would have figured out what the hell they were doing in the game and polished it to heck before they showed it to anyone. And like this game, this really looks like a tech demo, you know, for the project to be eventually greenlit and then made into something good. Like, I'm kind of shocked they're showing this. Maybe I'm way off base again. Maybe I'm just being really harsh. But You're saying what we're all thinking. I don't know. I'm not even that into Sonic, really. Although, actually, I really like the Sonic movie. You know, the Sonic movie was, I think the Sonic movie was actually the best video game movie I've ever seen, which is ridiculous, but there you go. Anyway, whatever. Tangent. Let's move on. Diablo 4. I I really want to be excited for this game, but I'm expecting it to be disappointing and kind of bad. Purely because I'm, like, I'm not ready to have my heart broken again. You know, like I really, really like Diablo 2. And when Diablo 3 was announced, I was so hyped for Diablo 3. And then when the actual game came out, it was nothing like any of the previews had kind of shown. You know, like they showed this really deep, like skill customization system and skill trees and runes for modifying the skills and everything. And like when it actually came out, it was like this hugely dumbed down system where you just like ticked a box and then you held down the left button. You know, like Diablo 3 was a huge disappointment to me. And I feel like Diablo 4 is just going to continue heading in that same direction. But it's fine. You know, I think I'm probably not the target market anymore. Or, you know, they can make more money making the game they're making than the game I'd like them to make. So, fair dues. What do you think of the art style? I'm actually fine with the art style. I know a lot of people who like Diablo 2, their objection with Diablo 3 and onwards is that it's too colorful. It's rainbows. That's not Diablo. Like, I don't care. I think it looks fine. Like, I actually think the graphics look good you know my problem is that the plot is stupid and the skill system is really dumb like there's no depth to the game at all other than like grinding to get stuff to sell on the auction house or whatever like diablo 3's itemization was kind of ruined by the real money auction house at launch and then i never really quite got back into it i think it's better now but it's still significantly dumbed down and then yeah the plot was just so stupid like there's a oh dear he's like surprise i'm the bad guy after all like that child emperor you know that was so obvious like 
it's it's just oh dear, sorry. This is this is not even relevant to the game, you know. It's just bad writing. Next, Final Fantasy set. Oh, Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> so I'm just like, sorry. This is this. Yeah, Final Fantasy sixteen. I'm really sorry. This podcast is now descending into old man chats at cloud <laughs> levels of. You know, I'm, again, I'm just like, is this what people want? Is this what people want from a Final Fantasy game? Like, I watched this gameplay trailer. I, I, am I just too old? It, it, I'm probably just too old and the story doesn't speak to me anymore because Teenager Saves the World just makes me feel sad. And, you know, it's like, wow, I'm so far past being a teenager and I haven't saved the world even once, you know? Plus, it's just like flashy flashy graphics but like where's the depth it's just like button mashing now you know this was an rpg not a i don't know so again old man chats at cloud sorry it's not it's not the game i would want to play but it's fine they need to make hundreds of millions of dollars now to justify you know the expense of making these things so they need to make it as mass market as possible and people just like mashing buttons and seeing big explosions so fair dues it's true i like it too i'm part of the problem Nah, it's fine, really. I mean, like, well, I, in the next game, I'm going to, like, completely 180 and say, you know, because it's the next installment of the Final Fantasy VII remake, but instead of being called Remake Part Two or something, they're calling it Rebirth. And, I mean, I actually quite enjoyed the Final Fantasy VII remake. So, you know, I mean, it's just really pulling on the nostalgia strings. I think I, I, think I enjoyed it only because I had played the original, in my case. Because, again, like, the gameplay was kind of well no it was good it was good i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed like final fantasy 15 you know so maybe final fantasy 16 will surprise me because i did enjoy the final fantasy 7 remake and yeah here we've got remake part two it's coming they said next winter which i assume means winter 2023 i assume so and they've also confirmed it will be three parts to the remake so there's remake rebirth and then the mysterious third part which i saw some prediction on reddit resurrection they're guessing i don't know we'll see a good one a good yeah that's that's a prediction someone someone's gonna dig out that comment in like however many years time and say look they predicted it so quick shout a few more revenge (laughs) a few more repentance (laughs) repentance (laughs) <laughs> cbt no <laughs> i i don't know what they're gonna do with the story though because you got to think the first part of the remake grossly extended that first midgar section you know into like 60 hours the thing is like the next part of the game probably is like 60 hours and they're gonna have to like i don't know how they're gonna they they can't possibly do that oh, yeah. I, I don't know the pacing of the game is gonna be interesting basically is what i'm trying to say Although I think more likely they're just going to change the story radically at some point. You know, it's, it's going to follow the original game less and less closely, is my prediction. Makes sense. But we'll see. Next. Dragon's Dogma 2. This and the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth announcements basically happened like today from our perspective. So... I think I've probably never mentioned Dragon's Dogma before, but I'm really interested in this game. Like, this game has been on my backlog for, like, 10 years, you know, pretty much. And this is the 10th anniversary of Dragon's Dogma, where they announced they're making a sequel. Dragon's Dogma is kind of Elden Ring, but, like, made 10 years ago. 
you know i mean again i'm being reductive it's obviously not exactly like Elden ring but it's a open world fantasy rpg with huge boss monsters and like really cool combat i've been meaning to play it for the past 10 years i mean i've i own it i've installed it several times on several different pcs but never actually like hit the play button you know because again like i think it's going to be a big time commitment to actually really play it and thus have never started anyway i'm very interested in what a sequel will bring to the table and it's probably good timing for them given you know how much people loved elden ring Dragon's Dogma, I think, is actually probably more accessible and looks really freaking cool. So, yeah, hopefully they're, they're given the budget and the marketing to really make it, you know, a big thing. There needs to be an alternative. Yeah, I mean, Dra- Dragon's Dogma, if you see gameplay of it, it just looks so cool. It's got huge monsters. You can, like, climb on them, Shadow of the Colossus style, and you're, like, stabbing your sword into them or, like, casting massive spells. Like, it just looks awesome. Anyway whatever next uh next is just me saying like oh dear we only really talked about big games we just talked about like big budget games we didn't talk about any of the cool indies goodness knows what the cool indies are Uh, it's just embarrassing i actually really like playing the indies because they're often more interesting but you know i'm also just kind of relying on northern line to tell me what's worth playing now which is also kind of embarrassing next xbox go on they had, I think they had the best show case, best show. It's because they own it's... everyone now. <laughs> that also helps, doesn't it? Because the Bethesda and Activision Blizzard showcases, you know, were basically condensed into it too. They've yes, just got they everything. Stuff. Plus Kojima. We, Plus I mean, Kojima. We talked about Persona. We talked about Kojima. We talked about Diablo 4 stuff. But we didn't even talk about Overwatch 2. And let's not forget, Overwatch 1 was a game of the year. Oh, I don't know, arguably. Yeah. yeah. It was a, it was a quiet year that year. Did they say Overwatch 2 is going to be free to play as well? I think so, yeah. Yeah. There's, they have a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot in that showcase. You didn't say anything about think... Forza either. No, it's like a sports game now at this point. I can't... What can you say about it? It's like FIFA. I don't care. They're not... There's only so much you can do now, right? It's hard. They had some whole thing about the temperature of the track affecting the grip or something. I don't know. I just, I'm not really into driving games, so it doesn't really speak to me. But, it's a, you know, I mean, again, truly that's it's big, big news. news but it's, it's subtle. It's, it's subtle. Yeah, I guess it's just like polishing, right? It's, they've already got yeah. so good. It's like diminishing returns. So one last thing. When is Nintendo's show, right? Nintendo is expected to do a Nintendo Direct, but obviously it didn't happen before you recorded this app. What will happen? It will happen in the editing window. It's definitely going to happen in the editing window. I'm going to feel sad. So, you know, that's why we're not talking about it. Just just FYI. They must show Breath of the Wild. Two. (laughs) Sorry, the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Maybe we'll get the name. Maybe they'll finally tell us the name. I never really understood the name. There must be some origin. There must be some reason why it's called Breath of the Wild, which it's going to say something about Ganon. I don't know a Ganon to the past. We we joked about this last time. We were, we already had this conversation. Breath of the Wild Two is the only game I'm actually excited about. You know, like everybody else has disappointed me so much that 
when I see the games, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of interested, but I'm I'm not really excited. You know, well, maybe Final Fantasy VII Rebirth a little bit. But on the whole, I'm like, hmm. But Breath of the Wild 2, Breath of the Wild 2, I'm actually, you know, Nintendo hasn't disappointed me yet. I, I think it's going to be, I'm, my expectations for this game are so high. I don't know. Can it really, can it really meet them? But has Elden Ring tempered your expectations for Breath of the Wild 2? No. Okay. I, they're, they're different. They're really different. Also, I'm really enjoying Elden Ring, actually. Is Elden, Elden Ring is so big. But doesn't that change your expectation for Breath of the Wild 2? Do you not have higher expectations, even higher expectations now? Yeah, but I think they're going to meet them. You oh, Okay, fine. I, I really think Breath of the Wild 2, they are going to, you know, they know what they could have done better oh, yeah, in that yeah, game. Yeah. You know, it was already incredible, but they also know what they could have done better and they're going to fix it. And, you know, it's true. Elden Ring also has some of those same elements and has also fixed those elements. That doesn't mean Nintendo isn't going to do it as well. We shall see. This is why my expectations for this game are like so high. It's the, it's the only game I'm still hyped for. Ridiculously. Yeah, let's see. That's it? That's it. We're done. Yeah, this is a long recording, sorry. We tried. <laughs> we tried. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that we're supposed to meet up tomorrow. Today? Later today? It's so late now. Oh, technically it's past midnight, so it's today. Yes. I'm, I'm coming around for lunch. I'm going to see you in person. For the first time in, a in long your time. in your fabulous abode. Yes, it's been a long time. So, Michael says bye. Bye bye.